That'll do it. The game may be over, but our coverage of Utah Jazz basketball is just beginning. That kid is on fire on catch and shoot threes right now. This is Utah Jazz Game Night Post Game Show. Bounces to Gobert, and he rocks the pass Presented by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Now, it's time for a complete wrap of tonight's Utah Jazz game on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson with you tonight. The Jazz fall to the Raptors at home, 101-92. to We'll get you some sound uh, from the podium coming up here in just a moment, but let's get to your uh, stats of the game, sharp stats of the game, brought to you by the Les Olson Company. Les Olson Company, your office technology partner. The Jazz shot just 39.8% from the field tonight, 37.2 from three. Uh, they were led by Joe Ingles, who had 20 points on 8 of 12 shooting. Joe was really good tonight. Uh, six assists, five boards, a couple of steals. Uh, but uh, Mike Conley with 13 points. Donovan Mitchell with 11. Royce O'Neal had 15 tonight. Jordan Clarkson with 9 coming in off the bench, uh, Ben. And really, the, the Jazz best players just had a bad night tonight. Yeah, and, you know, the Jazz aren't going to win a lot of those games. they they kind of crazy. They beat, they won at Boston when their three stars didn't play very well. I mean, Rudy, I think, was 4-4 four four in that game. But uh, Bogey and Donovan were not very good. And, and, you know, Mike Conley stepped up on the road in that game. And Mike Conley wasn't great in this game either, you know. So the Jazz really just did not hit enough shots. Uh, and, and you got to credit Toronto for doing that. And I think Toronto outplayed the Jazz. I mean, I think they played harder than the Jazz tonight. Mm-hmm. And you got to tip their hat that way. But... Uh, Toronto really knew what their identity was and I think there are still nights when it seems like the Jazz are still trying to kind of figure out what their identity is and what you know where where does Donovan Mitchell get baskets consistently I I still think that's a question sometimes because you know he's one of nine inside the arc tonight you know he shot well from three three of six from three Mm -hmm. and was what four of 16 overall or four of 15 overall tonight it's just not it's not good enough you know and and so still trying to figure out which is still you know a young team and a team that's uh, in flux and trying to figure out what this roster can do still trying to figure out some of those problems that they've been having Pascal Siakam had 27 for the Raptors Serge Ibaka had 27 Kyle uh, Kyle Lowry had 21 so their big three tonight because uh, they were missing some players, some injuries. Uh, Powell went out uh, of this one early. But their big three tonight, Ben, was just uh, terrific. So, yep. you know, that's going to be really hard when their best players play so well. All right, let's throw things now down to the podium. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder is addressing the media. Quinn, I know you love to talk defense, but I'm curious about uh, Bojan, Rudy, and uh, Donovan. About a third of the points they normally score, and this is twice in three games with the Celtic game. Are they being defended differently, or just shots aren't going in? No, I, I think this game is different. You know, I think um, you know we we had a number of you know looks at the rim that we weren't able to convert on, um, but you know guys are going to have off nights. We didn't have have enough. Um, and, you know, we'll look back on it, and there's things, you know, everybody can do better. Um, but, you know, those three guys have been there for us all year. And, you know, the, the, there's a lot of little things, you know, whether it's making an open shot when we had one it didn't go in, it's a good look. And I thought particularly, you know, when we get to the rim, coming up with something or drawing a foul, you know, the, the, those possessions are hard for us because, um, 
you're you're defending against numbers the other way. So we put pressure on our defense when we don't convert. But um, you know, like I said, we have total confidence in those guys, and and we'll bounce back. Quinn, on the other side of the ball, uh, lately transition defense has been a little bit of a problem for you guys, and tonight it looked like it really hurt, not only in transition, but also early offense with them getting shots off. Yeah, what was going on there? They're, they're, you know, they're really, that's what they do, you know, and, you know, I, th- I think sprinting back and, you know, stopping that initial push, you know, and then they're shooting threes, you know, in trail, but the, the, I think we'll see our transition defense, um, was really impacted. You know, sometimes it's defending against a turnover, but when you miss at the rim, um, you know, you don't have balance. You only have three guys back there if Rudy's on the boards, and that, that makes it that makes it really hard. So in those sense, you know, I, I think our offense can help our defense in that regard. Um, but there, there, you know, we looked at a couple clips at halftime in transition where, you know, I thought they got to the rim on us particularly early. And I felt like we did a little better job in that as the game went on. But it's like I said, it's you know it's hard to defend. You know when you go to the rim and we, we come up empty at the rim and guys are, you know maybe they've stretched out and fallen down or whatever the case is. So. Coach, um, with the way that your bench played, it seems like they they were kind of able to get you guys back in games mm-hmm. and, and kind of close up deficits. Um, just how do you think that they, how do you think that they played? How do you think that they managed the game when they were in there? I think they were really good. You know, and, and Tony was really good. Um, I thought they, they did a good job communicating defensively, um, you know, changing things up a little bit. And, uh, you know, obviously Joe had a, had a really good night, you know, kind of, we played through him a little bit on the offensive end, but I, I thought they did a good job um, in every aspect of the game. Quinn, I wanted to ask you about transition on the other end. Uh, you forced 21 turnovers and only get 20 points out of that. Uh, what needs to improve there? Yeah, you know that that's been some, that's been a strength of ours. You know where um, we just didn't we weren't able to convert a lot of them. You know we had. You know, we bobbled the ball a couple times. We, you know, missed a layup. Um, just a lot of things. I, I don't think it was anything that, you know, we weren't, you know, we weren't doing. Sometimes you look for the reasons that something doesn't go well, and other times, you know, we got guys that can make those plays. They just, you know, we weren't able to make them tonight. I don't think there's anything we did wrong, per se, other than, you know, we had the ball roll out. David? You took the lead for everything that went wrong. You took the lead at 87-85, and they had guys playing big minutes for the second night or other. They looked mm-hmm. tired. What went wrong there in the last few minutes when everything seemed to be pointing towards a win? Yeah, you know, I think we really struggled to score, obviously, the last six minutes, and I, I didn't think that, you know, we were lacking execution per se. Um, we just didn't we didn't score, you know. So, um, you know, as I said, our, our bench had given us, you know, a great stretch and, and got extended. And then we came back, and you know, I think, you know, I felt like the game was going our direction, and, and, and flipped back the other way. 
All right, that was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team lost tonight to the Raptors, 101-92. to He covered a lot of ground there, Ben. But uh, transition defense, he talked a lot about that, and that's something I feel like we've talked a lot about this season. It has been an issue uh, for the Jazz. And, uh, you know, you heard Eric Walden ask about the transition the other way where the Jazz yeah. forced 21 turnovers. Uh, but weren't really able to capitalize over that. But you know, it's something that feels like it's it's become almost a theme. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it, it's funny you can go back and you know I know the game ended up being what, what is it eleven point game nine point loss here at the end. Let me pull the box score up. But yeah, one one ninety two. So a nine point game here, and, and you fouled a couple late. It was really you know a five point game with right. forty seconds left. You look at the Kyle Lowry last second three on that 24-second shot clock where, where he made it. It was a great shot, but that was good defense. You kind of got burned by better offense. There's that, and then there's the Jordan Clarkson missed layup where he was trying to draw the fourth foul, I want to say it was, on uh, on Pascal Siakam. You had early in the game, you had uh, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich miss a layup on an easy fast break, too, where the Jazz should have gotten it. They had another one where Mike Conley should have gotten a layup and didn't even go up for the layup. Like he kind of backed out because he, he felt the, the trailer defender. I mean, those alone, which are... You know, probably a shot that Lowry shouldn't hit very often and layups that you absolutely should 100% make every single time you get that opportunity. And the Jazz lose a game that, that they could have won. So uh, offensively is where the Jazz lost this game. And it's easy to point at Donovan having a bad night, Rudy Gobert having a bad night, uh, and Boyan having a bad night. If any one of those three has an average night, the Jazz probably win this game as well. So I thought the defense was good. I actually think that's a really good sign for the Jazz because the defense had been the problem. Jake, we talked about the magical stat or the, the key stat to the game uh, that we wanted to focus on. I say keep your uh, defensive rating below 111. You should have a good chance. I guarantee you it was way below 111 tonight, and they still lost. So that, that's how bad the offense was, that they had one of their better defensive performances in a long time uh, and still just could not find anything. And you got to credit Toronto for, for making it hard, but I think the Jazz also shot themselves in the foot one too many times. Let's take a look at your points in the paint brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-SERTA or visit SertaPro.com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting, you do light, uh, life. Excuse me. The points in the paint tonight, the Raptors outscored the Jazz 42-34. to And that goes back to uh, what we were talking about uh, with Locke, and, that's, and, and you alluded to uh, just a moment ago, Ben. They were just uh, dreadful from two tonight. They just couldn't score them. And Rudy missed some layups where... Uh, Rudy was one of four. Right. It's hard to imagine Rudy Gobert being that tall and that big, going one of four, especially when Marcus Gasol's not on the floor. They don't have a true big man to defend him. I know Serge is quick and can certainly uh, block some shots. Did, did so, certainly more so younger in his career or earlier in his career. Uh, but but Rudy struggled, including, you know, he kind of took a wild layup late in the game after trying to drive from the three-point line. Like Toronto suckered the Jazz into making some plays or thinking they have shots at the basket that really are not there. Yeah, Baca had a huge night today. He was great. 27 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists. I mean, he was active all night, had a tough assignment with Rudy, and yep. he was really, really good tonight. Yep, and that's the type of matchup that the Jazz have struggled with, some of those guys who can kind of do it all. And he was really good from 3, and that got him going inside. The Jazz just didn't really have any answers. All right, we'll get more post-game sound for you coming up right around the corner. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at Mark Miller Subaru. Com. Your final tonight, the Jazz fall to the Raptors at home, 101-92. to We're breaking it down, continuing next here on the Jazz Radio Network.
Jazz Game Night Post Game Show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. The Raptors beat the Jazz tonight 101-92 here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson with you. And let's get to uh, the key stat of the game tonight brought to you by Planet Fitness. Join the Planet Fitness nearest you for just a dollar down and $10 a month. Coming soon to West Jordan, visit planetfitness.com. Ben, what is our key stat of the game tonight? How about rebounds tonight for the Utah Jazz where they got absolutely blown off the floor? 53-34, to 34, Jake. Wow. 53, and in fact, the only reason this game was close is because the Jazz won the turnover battle by so much. The Jazz won the turnover battle, uh, let me pull it up here, 18-11. to 11. So that, that was unusual. Jazz are usually on the wrong side of that. So right. the Jazz got seven extra possessions there. But you gave up 19 more possessions to the Raptors on the rebounds, and including 14-6 to six on the offensive glass. That's just it's too many on the second. Second night of a back-to-back, a, a team like the Raptors shouldn't be able to out-rebound the Jazz like that. We should, uh, or we could go back and look at it, Ben, and maybe we should, but I think that's got to be the widest rebounding discrepancy for the Jazz this yeah. season. That is huge. We don't see the Jazz get crunched like that on the boards, really, ever. And, you know, Rudy was pulled out of the, the paint a little bit by Pascal Siakam, so he was missing some of those rebounds, and you had guys like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson come in and grab 10 boards off the bench because he was being guarded for stretches by Mike Conley, you know, and, and that killed the Jazz. Jazz high rebounder tonight was uh, was uh, Royce O'Neal with seven, so it's, uh, it's, it's a tough spot for the Jazz to find themselves you in. You might even say Royce is tonight's master of the glass, Ben. You might, uh, you might say that. Brought to you by our friends at Safe Light Auto Glass, the local vehicle glass expert. Proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz Safe Light Auto Glass also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound Program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate five dollars for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader, with all proceeds going to benefit the neighborhood house. All right, let's throw it back down to the podium where Tony Bradley is addressing the media. Tony, it seemed like uh, the second unit was really kind of what sparked the team throughout a lot of the game. Kind of provided those runs that that helped you narrow the deficit down. What was uh, what was making that group so effective tonight? Uh, I feel like the second group, when we get in there, we um, try to keep the progress going, uh, not slack on defense, just try to get stops and, and score pretty much. I feel like we've been doing a really good job uh, in the recent games and today too. Uh, Tony, it looks like you uh, just throughout the season you guys have had Mike and Donovan kind of lead that group. Has it been nice to kind of have a singular person to kind of lead and get your chemistry with with Mike Conley back? Uh, for sure, especially uh, when I get get in and the pick and roll with me and him. Um, he likes to he likes to pass and I try to get him open for a shot or mid range shot. So I feel like the chemistry, especially between me and Mike, is there. Plus, he trusts me with the with the little pocket pass when I roll and stuff. So he knows how to. Let me ask you too, Tony, about the pick and roll chemistry with Joe. Uh, it seems like it's been developing over the course of this year. Yeah, Joe as well. Uh, I feel like Mike and Joe trust me just in the pick and roll, especially just passing it to me, making the right play. Is that, sorry, is that just timing or what? Uh, I feel like it's just reps, I, I guess, from like OTA from all the way from OTA's beginning of the season they just more reps and they trust me with the ball and I try to make the right decision whenever they throw it to me just reading it either I could lay it up or float it or pass to the corner for an open three or something like that is it difficult to come away from a game where you know you played very well but you get the loss like are you able to kind of come away and say like recognize the progress that you made or I mean 
does it feel like it's a little bit of a hanging your head kind of a night? Uh, yeah, for sure, because it's a hanging your head type of night because we lost. Uh, the ultimate goal is to win each game. Um, I really don't think of myself individually in my performance. I just, whenever I get my chance to get in, I just try to run the floor, rebound, and play the defense the best I can. So and I think defensively I'm getting better. From your perspective, what do you think went wrong for the team as a whole tonight? Uh, I think they, the problem was just they out-rebounded re, out us, especially offensively. They, they kind of, that was the game pretty much. I think it was 53 to 33 or something like that. So I think that played a big factor into tonight's game. All right, that was uh, Tony Bradley coming in uh, off the bench tonight. Uh, ben, Tony played 16 minutes. He had five points, four rebounds, an assist, and a couple of steals. He had two blocks, too, and he's, you know, he's just a, a big bundle of energy when he gets in the game. I mean, we were talking a little bit about it as we were watching this thing, and that's really what he's got going for him right now. He goes in there, and he plays really hard. And he's put a ton of work into his body, so I don't mean this insulting. But I was watching him in the first half, and I thought it would have been nice if Greg Ostertag had played that hard because they are kind of similarly enormous bodies. Right. Now Greg is even bigger than than uh, Tony Bradley was, but Tony's not a freakish athlete. He really runs the floor well. He's a straight line runner, and he gets going. He can actually move pretty quickly. Jazz still aren't quite feeding him that ball in transition yet because he's moving really fast, and I think they're afraid he's going to get some charging calls if he does. But he, he runs really hard and he plays hard. Not everybody who looks like Tony Bradley plays that hard. Right. A lot of big guys don't play that hard because, you know, basketball kind of chose them. They didn't necessarily choose basketball. At that size, if you play hard, you're going to get results. And Tony Bradley is, you know, we saw it in Summer League. We've seen it with the G League. He gets huge numbers. You just questioned whether or not he could do it against better competition. And he's not going to give you 21 and 19 like it feels like he does every Vegas Summer League game, but he can give you. Eight and four, eight and five, just by playing hard for 14 minutes at his size. Well, and earlier this year when Ed Davis had that role in at the beginning of Tony, I mean, anytime Rudy stepped off the floor, it was borderline disastrous. Yep. And that's not the case anymore, certainly with Tony. And and actually to kind of expand the conversation to the whole bench unit, I mean, they've been really, really good. And they were really good again tonight. The, you know, the Jazz lost, but it certainly was not because of, uh, of the reserves. As Joe had 20 coming in off the bench, Jordan Clarkson, I say, only had nine but he still managed to be pretty effective. We talked about Tony Bradley. George Niang had eight points in, in just 12 minutes, and Mike uh, Mike Conley played with the bench unit. He had uh, 13. Let's go back to the podium. Joe Ingles is addressing the media. You knew that was coming, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they, obviously, they, they made some shots. They had a, I think they had a couple offensive rebounds within it. Um, we had a couple turnovers. Um... I couldn't honestly tell you exactly what possessions were, were kind of which ones we obviously we, we could have done better because it was 15 to 5 but um, yeah we'll, we'll watch a bit, bit of it tomorrow and see what we did but um, I, I think a lot of I mean I don't know how many offensive rebounds they had but I mean Hollis Jefferson had 7 himself so that was obviously something that kept him in the game we had some turnovers I think we, were, I think we had 4 or 5 at half time we finished with 11 or 12 or whatever whatever it was so um, two things right there that you obviously is something we can control and clean up for Wednesday. Joe, you guys uh, force them into 20 turnovers but are only able to convert that into 
21 points as a result. Uh, what were you guys struggling with on that end? Were they doing anything, or was it just a matter of missing some of those shots? Yeah, I think we I think we missed a lot of shots. We um, have been making or have made for, for a lot of the year, and. Um, You blowing your nose? Have you got this? Uh, I'm out of here. Have you got anything? If someone coughs, I'm out of here. Just so you know. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I think we got a lot of. I don't know what we shot or whatever, but uh, I think we got a lot of good looks. And um, obviously, we've got an open shot. Our guys are going to take it. That's what we. Um, everyone's got that kind of responsibility to take a shot um, if, if you're open and a good shot. And um, I think a lot of the time we obviously do a really good job of that. So. Yeah, every shot that we we took was I, I think was pretty good. Right now, um, there might be a couple, but overall, really good shots, and we'll, we'll take them again on on Wednesday. Joe, at times this season, you've um, you've been on the bench, you've been starting. Um, tonight, you had a really good game off the bench. When you're with that second unit coming off the bench, like how much do you take it upon yourself to kind of just like lead the guys and kind of be the guy? Um, I'm definitely not trying to be the guy. I don't think I've ever tried to be the guy. Um, I mean, I'm playing with with Mike and JC. Um, obviously, two really good players, and Mike's been a leader and obviously had the ball in his in his career a lot. So we kind of play off him a little bit. Obviously, if um, when JC's gone, we're we're going at JC a lot too because um, he seems to be a mismatch on on an offensive end a lot of the time. He can get he can obviously get to the hoop pretty. Pretty efficiently, um, and I think between the three of us, obviously all being out of handle, we just kind of mix up who can handle who, where, where a mismatch is, um, what we're trying to attack. And um, Tony's done a great job screening and getting on the rim, which opens it up for for all of us. And um, yeah, I mean each game we just try and I guess try and figure out kind of who's going or what's happening and find the mismatch and, and, and attack it. Tony, uh, Joe. The Raptors, you know, much like the Rockets and, you know, some of the physical teams are capable of kind of bumping you guys off of your cuts and stuff and kind of taking you out of what you like to do. How do you guys combat that? And you see another team like that on Wednesday, but, you know, in the playoffs, you know, just generally gearing up for the playoffs, how do you combat that physical teams that are capable of mucking up the game and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, we talked about it before the game coach brought it up, obviously. Um, that's what they do. I think that's they're probably one of the definitely most consistent team at, at, at playing that way and being aggressive and kind of being the the first ones to, to kind of hit you. And um, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can you can obviously there's there's a lot of things obviously with our coach that we can run that that gets us still good looks. And like I said, I think we I think we got a lot of good looks tonight. Um, same on the other end, they kind of just try and find a mismatch and attack it. They try to get Siakam on the post or Larry, whatever they're trying to do. Um, spacing search day the whole game, obviously with with Rudy on him for, for a big chunk of it. So, um, I mean, I think we got. I think there was one little stretch where they went small. We had a couple of turnovers um, off the top of my head, but um, yeah, I mean, we got we got a lot of good stuff we can run and. It's obviously on the players to, to be efficient and run it and look after the ball and, and again, shoot the shots that are, that are there to take. And um, I think not so much tonight, but I think a lot of times we, we try and we pass up some really good shots to try and get a better shot and, and, and sometimes we get stuck there. So um, obviously you guys know if we're, we're open, coach wants us to, to shoot it. So. Last question for Brian. 
Um, that Codley led second unit it seems to have kind of found a groove over the last week. What has kind of been the process of putting that all together? Well, we had to trade for JC. Um, we had to get Mike. Obviously, Mike was in, in and out kind of thing at the start of the year, and and then with my situation starting, coming off the bench and or whatever it was the other way around, and then now coming off the bench again. Um, I think just getting kind of comfortable playing with each other and understanding, like I said, when 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 someone's attacking, who's attacking. Um, we've got a few sets now that, that I'll handle, Michael handle. Um, we've obviously got stuff for, for JC to run. And um, yeah, I think obviously, kind of like anything, the more we play together and the more we're out there, we're going to get more and more comfortable. And um, yeah, like I said, I think we we kind of just go out there every time and um, trying to take a mismatch or, or, or obviously what, what coach is trying to run. So um, yeah, I think over over time it'll just get better and better all right there you go that was joe ingles as the jazz fall tonight to the raptors 101 to 92 want to remind you to go where love takes you in the all-new completely redesigned 2020 subaru outback available now mark miller subaru the official subaru partner of the utah jazz find out more at markmillersubaru.com we'll have more for you coming up right around the corner jake scott ben anderson it's your jazz game night post game show on the jazz radio network Game night post game show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. The Jazz fall tonight at home to the Toronto Raptors, one hundred one to ninety two. We will get you uh, some sound, more sound from the locker room coming up here momentarily. Let's check out your assist feature, proudly sponsored by Larry H. Miller dealerships throughout the Utah Jazz season. Larry H. Miller dealerships donating fifty dollars for each assist to Larry H. Miller charities. We are driven by you tonight. The Jazz had twenty four assists on thirty three made field goals. They were led by Mike Conley, who had seven. Joe Ingles had six coming in off the bench. And that uh, 24 is not a bad assist number, Ben. It's the 33 made field goals that were really the issue. Yeah, that's that's really tough. The Jazz, I mean, really, you can, if you want to look at a positive out of this game, and I've been accused of being optimistic, so understand that I will present an optimistic argument for this game. Now, at some point, and believe me when I say this, the only stat that matters, you can talk analytics, et cetera, et cetera. There's only one stat that matters, and it's wins and losses. Right. That, that's all that matters. You are what your record says you are. And if you lose all these games, despite the fact that you kind of look good in spots, it doesn't matter. It still counts as a loss. And I believe that more than anybody, I assure you. But the Jazz were out-rebounded by 19. Their three best players were atrocious offensively tonight. Seven of 28 combined for 22 points. And the Jazz were probably two bad possessions away from winning this game. You know, so the Jazz played so bad in some areas of this game and were really close to winning it over a, a, a really good Raptors team that was walking into Utah in a really bad position to win a game and still found a way to do it. So there was enough positives there for the Jazz that as you're trying to build this team and put these things together, I think there's some nice things to hold on to there that are trending in the right direction and the Jazz are getting better. But when you do have somewhat of a make-or-miss league, and the Jazz were way more miss than make tonight, you're going to lose games. And, and again, the only stat that matters tonight is the L that the Jazz caught. They got an L. They didn't get a W. And that's bad because the goal is to win basketball games. But it was a, you, know, you missed shots tonight. It, that's what happens. If you're not going to hit your threes and Bogey goes 2 of 8 from the floor, you just 
it's not good enough. Yeah. And the Jazz took 43 threes tonight. They were 16 of uh, of 43. In fact, uh, let's call that your three-point takeover tonight, sponsored by Mountain America Credit, uh, Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than 80 years. Uh, they were 16 of 43 from three. Uh, they were led by, let's see here, uh, Joe Ingles was four of eight. Donovan Mitchell was three of six tonight. In fact, shooting threes was not Donovan's issue. It was inside the arc. Mike Conley was three of seven. Royce O'Neal, two of seven. George Niang, two of five. And Jordan Clarkson coming in at one of six. But 16 of 43 is not a terrible number from three. It's it's just amazing that they couldn't make their twos. All right, let's go back down to the podium. Donovan Mitchell is addressing the media. Through bumping you guys collectively through sets, getting you out of your offense, getting you out of the offense that you like to run. How do you combat that? And knowing that you're going to see a lot of those teams in the playoffs, how do you gear up for that down the stretch of the regular season? Um, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, just force and precision. You know, I think we did a solid job of it. You know, I think they took us out of a diff- different things. You know, if you look at the first time we played them and tonight, you know, it's like night and day. Um, I think there were a few things that we could have actually, like you said, improved on. But I think for us, just being pre- precise and um, just being aggressive. You know, we knew that coming in, and I, I, it's easy to say, you know, but it's for us, it's just taking it step by step, you know, and I think we, we made a, a huge step compared to the last time we played a team like this, you know, or this team. Um, and I think it's, it's not the result we wanted, but there's a lot of positives uh, we could take from this. Donovan, you missed your last seven shots. Mm-hmm. Do you like the attempts you were getting, or do you um, wish you would have made different rates on some of those? I mean, yeah, for sure. I think you know the lap at the end was stupid. Um, definitely should have taken a different type of shot. But like I said, um, the biggest thing for me is just continuing to find ways to get better. You know, I, it's not always going to be perfect. You know, I think making these mistakes in March is better than making them in April, May, maybe June. Um, for me, like you, like, like Tony was saying, we're going to see these teams. You're going to see teams like this. So now, you know, you go through it. You know, you succeed. Sometimes you fail. And now you kind of go out there and when the playoffs come, you know, later on in the year, you understand how to attack it. You know, I think that's how I'm looking at this game. Obviously, I didn't really shoot the ball well, but I think I did a lot of things solid on the defensive end, and I think that's growth. You know, and I think I think we'll all speak for that. You know, not just myself. You know, whether it's Rudy or I think Boyan, like whatever it may be, I think we're le- a lot of this is you know we may not have the best game. You know, but I think there's a lot of positives we could take away. But um, I didn't even know it was seven shots. I think that's just the mentality. Don, you guys have had some trouble recently in transition defense, and uh, Quinn said that you guys had watched a couple of clips at halftime. Mm-hmm. What's been going wrong, and what, maybe what did you see in those clips that you hope to improve on? Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of indecisiveness. You know, I think the biggest thing in transition is one, you got to communicate. Well, first, you got to get back. Then, two, you got to communicate, and you got to be ready to help um, and contain the ball. So, like, you know, if a guy misses a shot, you know, and, you know, one of us feels like we may be able to get the offensive rebound, you know, we're already, you know, behind at that point. You know, we're kind of playing catch up from there. Uh, so, being able to turn your shoulders and physically, like, run downhill, uh, run back, excuse me, I think that's that's a start, you know, and I think we did, you know, they got some good looks, you know, they got Kogler, got some, some three. They were able to make a push, but in the second half, I think we did an, uh, a better job. But you know, I think like I like I was saying, this is all preparation, you know. And I think when you play a team like this, you know, they're going to get looks. Now you just got to be able to limit them. You got to communicate. And I think we did an okay job or pretty good job, uh, but we could definitely do a better job. One of the bright spots tonight was uh, Tony Bradley mm-hmm. on the bench. Um, 
what have you seen just I mean his progress over the last few weeks especially has yeah. been really impressive what have you seen um, this is you know the most aggressive the most dominant I've seen that we've all seen Tony I think for him just staying locked in you know I think as a as a it's crazy young guy you know like you kind of get you know beside yourself you kind of get all the voices from different directions you start to overthink things and I, the biggest thing I tell them every time is you know whatever happened in the past happened in the past whether it's good or bad you know being able to move on to the next thing come into the huddle get the play get the play right um, you make a mistake don't dwell on how you made the mistake you know go out there and um you know, find a way to, to do something. So I think it was in New York. He made, you know, I think Bobby Portis made two threes on him and he kind of got down and then he came back and had a block and then ran the floor. Like, those are the plays. You know, look at tonight, the two blocks, you know, being aggressive. Like, those are those are the things that you love to see out of him. And I think a lot of it is him getting out of his own head. And it's natural, you know, when you make a mistake, you want to feel, you know, feel a certain type of way. But for him, just being able to get to the next play, you know, he's been doing really well. And I think we're all, you see our reaction, we're all happy for him when he gets gone. Donovan, for everything that went wrong tonight, the team did take an 87-85 lead there, and they were on the second night of a back-to-back, and it seemed like you know it might turn out okay. What went wrong in those final minutes when they retook control? Um, well, it doesn't help when you, you don't make certain shots. You know, I think sorry, we got looks some looks that we wanted, and then on top of that, this is a team that won the NBA Finals. You know, so when it comes to four minutes, five minutes left, you know, things don't phase them. They've been they are a group that's connected. They know how to put things together. And like I said, we. We're getting where we want, you know. We're, we're kind of defending it the right way, but there are times, you know, with silly fouls like myself or, or Rudy's little reach in, like little things like that, that we have to be able to to, to avoid, you know. Even if we don't get certain calls, you know, be able to get back. Uh, I think we all kind of paused when I think when Rudy, we thought Rudy got fouled, and we all kind of paused, and then we had to sprint back, like little things like that. Like if a mistake happens or something happens, we got to be able to get back and transition or be able to um, make up for the mistake or the mistake or a bad call or no call. So I think for us. Um, just being able to lock in, you know, and I don't, I don't think um, it's we're that far off. I think we're right there, and I think that'll that'll be huge. And then of course, you know, when I shoot four sixteen, Mike's four twelve, and Boyan's two of eight, doesn't help. But you know, like I said, we're gonna hit shots, but now we just gotta pick it up, even if we don't. Thank you. Thank you. That was Donovan Mitchell, uh, and Donovan really struggled tonight. He mentioned uh, some other guys having those shooting woes as well, but Donovan, 4 of 16, 11 points, Ben, 3 boards, 3 assists. He did have 3 steals and only uh, 1 turnover, but this was uh, not a good night for Donovan and then struggled particularly down the stretch, which is not something that we've seen a ton of from him actually this year. Yeah, even when he's had some bad nights, he's had some big fourth quarters that have helped carry the Jazz. So he just didn't get it. He didn't get it from him tonight. He just never quite got it going. He never really had that, you know, mid-range. He didn't make a mid-range jump shot. He hit that one kind of funny layup that he released from his belt. That was his only shot that he made inside the uh, inside the three-point line tonight. crazy. Yeah, he just never had that one go in, the floater or the, you know, the pull-up mid-range jump shot that seems to get him going a little bit. He just never quite calibrated his shot tonight. No, and uh, and the Jazz are going to struggle when they don't get production from those big offensive players, particularly Donovan and Bogdanovich, who only had five points, two of eight. He was one of four from three at a rebound and a couple of assists, but uh, certainly not himself. And, you know, you thought maybe he had he, – he struggled after the All-Star break, but you thought maybe he had snapped out of it with a couple of good games. But, 32 uh, last night or two nights ago. You know, for uh, – yeah, exactly. And for a guy averaging 20 points a night, yeah. you just don't expect it to be so, I don't, lack of a better word, manic, where yeah. it's it's up and down. And we didn't see that earlier in the year either. Right. And 
you know, th- this is a tough matchup too. I mean, that they have got a real a lot of really good players that can take away both of the things that Boyan likes to do, which is close out on him on the three, and what he can do against teams like Detroit is then put the ball on the floor and then beat a smaller defender in the mid range. Right. Well. OG Ananobi's not a smaller defender, or Pascal Siakam is not a smaller defender, or Serge Ibaka is not a smaller defender. All those guys are big and way more athletic than Boyan is. So if, if, if he does get him to bite on the jump shot and he puts the ball on the floor, they can recover and take away his mid-range game still. So that, that limits him to just getting eight shots. And we've talked before, I mean, I think the last time we did this together, we said he needs to be taking more than five or six shots, which right. is what he took. I mean, he needs to be taking 14 shots a game. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. All right, let's go back down to the podium. Rudy Gobert is addressing the media. The game that caused you and OG to be ejected? Uh, I mean, try to elbow me in the face. You know, and uh, the guy that's getting paid to protect us, the players, didn't do his job. So, you know, I just, uh, there was a little uh, altercation, and um, we both got ejected when I didn't do any. I mean, I didn't do anything back, pretty much, you know, which I don't understand. I don't think it makes sense to me. But next time, I do justice myself. So, so the official get, can eject me for a reason. Next question. Rudy, it was kind of a tough offensive night all the way around. What was Toronto doing in general to kind of make it difficult for you guys offensively and uh, for you specifically? Uh, I mean, they're a very, very good defensive team. Um, I think we did a pretty good job moving the ball. Uh, you know, the, some shots didn't fall, but, you know, we made some runs. We, we were in a position where we could win the game. Uh, you know, they just, uh, yeah, they played, a good, they played a good game defensively, and we, we couldn't hit the shot and made the play when we needed it in the last few minutes. But overall, I think uh, I like the way we play defense and uh, I like the way we shot the ball tonight. David? The rebounds were uh, 53 to 34. What was the big difference there? Where did they have the advantage they were able to dominate like that? I mean, we, we definitely put the emphasis on the rebounds. Uh, probably going to have to watch the game to figure out what we could have done better. But, uh, yeah, they're a very athletic team. You know, they have a lot of guys that are long, athletic, strong. So they're, they're a very good rebounding team. And, you know, when, when it's the ca- that case, we have to put even more emphasis on it. And I feel like tonight, I, think, I didn't think it was that bad, like 20 rebound difference. But I think we... I think we tried. I mean, I don't feel like we didn't box out. I don't feel like we we didn't go after the ball. So just one of those nights. Alex in the front row. Rudy, when the when the bench plays as well as they did tonight, and they were kind of able to to close gaps and get you guys back in games in the game, um, how frustrating is it to just come out with a loss, even though that unit did so well to kind of get you guys back in the game? I mean, it's basketball. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Uh, it's definitely great to have the bench give us the lift, like they did in Boston, too. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big plus for us. And, you know, if I think all the best teams in the world have a, have a very good bench, you know, and especially in the playoffs, you need the bench to give you, to give you a, a lift. And, you know, if, if our bench keep playing that way, I think we, it's going to be huge for us. 
Rudy, do you feel like this team struggles a little bit against teams that try to be physical against you overall? And not, not just you specifically, but the team as a whole? I mean, I think everyone does. You know, I think uh, no one likes to get uh, pushed around or elbowed in the face or stuff like that. But, you know, it's part, it's part of the game. And I think if you want to be a championship team, we, we have to play through that and be able to sustain our focus, uh, our connectiveness, you know, uh, through that physicality. And I think, uh, I think tonight was, you know, a pretty good effort from us on that end. Uh, didn't come up with the win, but I really felt like you know it was a great test and definitely you know it's one of the games that you learn from. All right, that was Rudy Gobert, and you heard his comments about getting ejected and uh, having a, a little bit of an altercation. He, he called out the referees, Ben. I mean, he said people whose job it is to protect the players didn't do their yep. job. It was, it was a little bit aggressive. Well, it would be interesting to see what, the, well, what said, the NBA says. He said next time he'll do something about it. You know, I mean, he is calling out there. And, and he's right. The referee's job is to stop that from happening, uh, especially with how many taunting technical fouls we see get handed out for them to not catch that when it was happening that that Ananobi was kind of throwing it was I mean it was pushing him his whole way down the floor and then to eject them both was weird but I mean Rudy two or three times in that interview just said you know he tried to elbow me in the face tried to elbow me in the face they were more physical they tried to elbow us in the face he's he wants them to recognize that OG Ananobi tried to hurt him and there's a difference between I mean he tried to injure him yeah. you know there's a difference between hey pushed a guy on a foul to push him out of bounds and make sure he doesn't maybe a little extra emphasis on the foul versus trying to elbow somebody in the face. There is some danger to that. And and Anobi sized him up. I mean, he, he looked right at it. I mean, Absolutely. I here's where, I, where I, I get Rudy's frustration, though, is because with the referee, because the referee was right there. Well, and they reviewed it. And they reviewed it. And <laughs> right. I, I, I get where that would be frustrating, where he's probably looking at the referee like, you're you're standing next right, to me, and he just right. threw an elbow in my face, and you're just ah, keep playing. No harm, no foul. I mean, it, I get where where Rudy is is frustrated there, but and he got a pretty bad whistle in the in the uh, fourth quarter. I don't really want to complain about the refs too much, but he had a couple of weird ticky tack fouls: one offensively, one loose ball, and then one just kind of swiping at the ball that were really rough calls. And he was obviously visually frustrated. Yeah, I he mean, was. He it had, took him out of the game. Yeah. He he had a he was very demonstrative when he was reacting and and then eventually got uh, got thrown out. I don't know if it actually affected the outcome, given kind of when it ha- given when it happened. But uh, that yeah, I was surprised when they ejected both of them. Now uh, eject one and give Rudy also a technical. Maybe I could have seen that, but to eject both of them, that just didn't seem. I just. would suspect we will see. Something like a $25,000 fine for OG Ananobi. I mean, he took a swing at a guy. You really can't do that. No. Uh, especially with an elbow. And, you know, Rudy might get 10000 You know, Rudy complained about the refs. I mean, he, he really did call out a ref there individually and say, it's your job to protect me and you didn't do it, so I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to hit somebody next time is essentially what he said. So that, that'll generally cost you a little bit of money. But you know what? This Jazz team is at a point where a little urgency, a little, a little edge like that probably isn't the worst thing. Uh, go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. We'll get Ben's final thoughts on this one. We'll find out what he's writing about for KSL, uh, kslsports.com as well. Coming up right around the corner, your final 101-92 to 92 Jazz fall to the Raptors here on the Jazz Radio Network.
Game Night Post Game Show here on the Jazz Radio Network, brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Jazz fall tonight to the Toronto Raptors, 101-92. to uh, Ben, of course, uh, Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, Ben Anderson of kslsports.com. And Ben writes after every single Jazz game, and we like to get a little preview of what he's working on here on the Post Game Show. What can we look forward to there, Ben? Uh, the home court disadvantage for the Utah Jazz all of a sudden, which traditionally has just been so hard to come into this building and win. And now you look at what the Jazz have done since January 25th. Uh, the Jazz home record is just 3-7. and seven. I think that's one of the reasons why Jazz fans feel somewhat cranky. I mean, I, I feel like I can see it online a lot. They feel like this team is underperforming and regressing. I think you're just seeing it at home. So yeah. it feels really weird because they've won six of nine on the road. And it's kind of been a fine balancing act when you add those up. You know, they're, they're playing okay basketball. It's not great, but it's certainly not terrible basketball right now. Uh, but when, when it happens at home, it feels worse. It feels like games you should be winning. Right. Jazz fans are so used to winning in Salt Lake City that when you're seeing these losses, I think it, 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 it's a little extra impactful. It's a little uh, extra emotional. You know what's kind of weird about this Jazz season, and just, just hearing you talk about that, Ben, it kind of sparked this, this thought in my mind. We think of all these weird circumstances that lead us to believe that the Jazz are more likely to win or lose, right? You know, playing at home is a big one of those. Other players, you know, not playing. You know, you think about that night they played against Houston without, uh, without James Harden and Clint Capella and like half the team, where they have these situations where you go, oh, okay, well, that should be beneficial for the Jazz or even the other way where you go, oh, that's going to work against them. And it doesn't seem to matter. They they lose the games that you think, oh, the circumstances in their favor. Like tonight, uh, Toronto was gassed. They played right. last night. They played big minutes last night. They're they're missing key players, and yet they, you know, Fred Van Vliet is awesome, and and yeah. he wasn't uh, in the game tonight. Norman and, Powell was awesome, and right. he got hurt in the first four minutes of the game. And the, those sorts of things don't seem to matter. I mean, to go back to the Houston thing, they lose to Houston on this home floor when Houston's missing half their team, and then the very next week they go to Houston where Bogdanovich, of course, hits that big shot to uh, to win the game against a, uh, a Houston team with their complete squad. So just it seems like those weird circumstantial things where we say it's more or less likely for the Jazz to win don't seem to matter this year. Quinn Snyder talked about that today before at shoot-around. It was very you know, prescient, and you know he, he certainly seemed to have a sense of what was going to happen. But he said, you just can't go in. He was talking about chemistry and continuity of kind of really establishing a, a rotation for the first time, of knowing when guys are going to come in, when guys are going to go out, and who's going to play. Mm-hmm. Jobs aren't being won or lost at this point in the season anymore. This is who's going to play in the playoffs. And he said you can't let continuity or circumstance dictate how you play. Right. Because you can't say, well, we don't play well on the second night of a back-to-back and just go out and not play hard. You have to play hard every night. And, you know, Toronto came in tonight, and and Boston did it, and Houston did it. Houston's was on the third game of a four-game road trip. They had played the night before in, I want to say, Denver. Boston had played in Portland the night before. Raptors had played last night in Sacramento the night before. All of them came in at the end of a road trip and beat the Jazz in Salt Lake City. Which just seems crazy. Yep. I mean, because you, you talk about that cliche built-in or scheduled, scheduled losses, losses, right? Yep. And, you know, this was a scheduled loss no for question. the Raptors. No question. Absolutely a scheduled loss for the Raptors. And they, uh, you know, they well, they got big, big games from their big players. I mean, Pascal Siakam was great tonight with 27. Serge Ibaka, you don't expect him to get 27 pours that in. And Kyle Lowry, that dude's just a stud. He's 34 years old and playing the best basketball of his career, which you don't typically see from a point guard 
uh, where it you, you see it slip a little bit in the mid thirties. And he's a terrific leader. I mean, that's this Toronto roster. They've they've got a lot going for them. I I'm really surprised that when we had crosstalk with Lock and Boone, that they would take Toronto in the playoffs over Milwaukee. That really surprised me coming from those two guys. But I certainly understand their argument. Yeah, uh, no, Toronto's good. Toronto's very legit. I don't think they're as legit as Milwaukee, and we'll see. You know, we'll see what they look like in the playoffs. Who knows? Uh, that that's why we have the playoffs, and that's why the playoffs are so fun. You know, it it does matter when you lose Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Kawhi was the reason they were able to to beat the Bucks last year, and certainly was a huge advantage. And they were down two zero in that series, if you remember, and then right. won four straight, uh, which is pretty amazing. But Toronto's good. They're a really good basketball team, and been, being there, having been there, matters. It absolutely matters. And truthfully, the Jazz have not been there. Not right. just championship, but the Jazz haven't played in the Western Conference Finals. The Jazz haven't had that type of experience yet. The Jazz haven't had that every single possession matters uh, all that much because they've been eliminated in the playoffs the last two years relatively quickly. I know they beat Oklahoma City, but then lost in five to the the Rockets in back-to-back seasons. Speaking of Oklahoma City, that's uh, the next opponent for the Utah Jazz. Give us a, a few final thoughts on this one before we put the Raptors behind us and look forward to the Thunder. Well, the nice thing is, I guess, that the uh, the Thunder don't have the type of athletes that you have right now from Oklahoma City. They're a little bit more traditionally built, small point guard, big center, and the Jazz can can hopefully do some things well against it, though we know Chris Paul's always given the Jazz trouble, and, and we'll, so, uh, we'll do so again on Wednesday. Hey, like I mentioned, though, the Jazz have won six of their last nine on the road, so they're, they're not afraid to play on the road. They're playing better away from home right yeah. now which is a kind of an interesting uh, an interesting flip for the jazz i i find chris paul somewhat obnoxious but it is impressive uh, impressive what oklahoma city is doing and shea gilgis alexander is awesome and he didn't play last night so we'll see if he's a back and available for the game against the jazz i'm actually not sure if they play before or if they had, they may play the night before i don't think they played tonight i could be wrong um but I, I'll, I'll look that up um if he doesn't play, that's obviously a big boost for the Jazz. He averages 20 points a game. He's he's phenomenal. This has been my favorite Chris Paul year of his career, by far. You know, it was, he, Jazz fans didn't want to root for Chris Paul when Darren Williams and he were going head-to-head in New Orleans and Utah, and then he got whiny in L.A., and he got really whiny in Houston, and I thought this Oklahoma City marriage might be a disaster, and it's been the exact opposite. He's been a pro's pro. He's been great and deserved his all-star bid, and it's been really fun to watch. He's been good for that young roster, too. Perfect. It, 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 kind of in a, in a similar fashion as uh, Jimmy Butler's been good for the for the Miami Heat young roster as well. Yep. So it's certainly not going to be an easy game uh, for the Utah Jazz, and they'll have to play tougher and play better, certainly, uh, than they did tonight as they uh, fell at home to the Toronto Raptors 101-292. Uh, Want to say big thanks to Locke and Boone, doing a great uh, great job as usual from those two guys. Uh, thanks to Tony Parks, who uh, did sidelines for the broadcast tonight. And usually I say Tony did locker rooms. I can't really say that anymore, right? Did the media room. He was down at the podium. He was down uh, doing the it's media. A podium. I said a podium. It's just. I guess it is where they they're doing it now. Sometimes it's just a table. Yeah, right. That's not a podium. I don't eat dinner at the podium. No, I have it at the table at my house. Yeah, that Maybe would I should be start weird. calling like a cool it the podium, though. Yeah. Yeah. Kids, join me at the podium for it's dinner time. It's dinner it's time. Dinner time. Uh, so anyway, thanks to uh, Tony Parks. Thanks to the broadcast assistants working tonight. Thanks to Adrian Lizer, executive producer of Jazz Game Night. Uh, thanks to uh, Mark Miller Subaru, the title sponsor of the post game show. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru out. Back available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. And of course, thanks to you, Ben. It's always fun hanging out with you. Yeah, I think I'm back next week. I hope so. All right. Well, yeah, I hope so <laughs> it's too. It's always the goal. <laughs> 
to you make a return my visit. career, there's no guarantees. <laughs> Check out Ben's work at kslsports.com or, of course, follow him on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Uh, next up, as we were just talking about, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Jazz are in OKC on Wednesday. That game will tip off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 5. And, of course, as always, you'll hear it live right here on the Jazz Radio Network.